Now nine out of the ten Sunday mornings that I have been preaching here, seven of them have been taken up with the crossing of the Jordan and the historical miraculous event of the pulling down of the walls of Jericho and the decimation and annihilation of the Canaanite forces. Now this morning I want to close this series uh, by calling your attention to the only one woman that who played a role in this crucial and spectacular story. In fact, if it were not for her physically, the people would have never been able to come over and to claim the possessions that God had promised to them. Thirty verses are given to her, more than even to the very event itself. We often hear the story that large doors swing on small hinges. Well, that's certainly the way here. Her name is Rahab. And I have entitled my message this morning, From the House of Shame to the Halls of Fame. Because we discover that Rahab, among the great halls of fame, men like Abraham, Noah, Moses and Gideon, we find her in Hebrews chapter 11. Her faith matched, according to the Holy Spirit, her faith matched that of those great men. So we're reading in James uh, chapter 2 today, and the, and the wind's hitting us up here, but we're reading in James chapter 2, uh, first of all, and verses 20, 24. And verse this verse, James chapter 2 and, and verse 24. You see how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messenger who had sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. Turn over a few pages to Hebrews chapter 11. That is if you're consulting your Bible uh, at this moment. Hebrews chapter 11 and the verse 31. By faith the harlot Rahab perished, not with them that believed not, when she had received the spies with peace. And I want you to notice that word, peace. Turn away back now, please, to Joshua chapter 2. Do we get this story properly about Rahab and this second chapter of Joshua? And we're at the verse 1, please. And Joshua the son of Nun sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came unto the harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men in hither tonight to the children of Israel to search out the country. And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into the house, for they come to search out all the country. And the woman took the two men and hid them and said, There came men into me, but I wist not whence they were. And it came to pass about the time of the shutting of the gates, when it was dark that they went out, whether they went I do not. Pursue after them quickly, for they shall over ye shall overtake them. For she had brought them up to the roof of the house, and hid them with the stalks of flax which she had laid in order upon the roof. And the men pursued after them the way of Jordan unto the forge, and as soon as they were gone out, they shut the gate. And before they were laid down, they came up unto them upon the roof. And she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror is falling upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard of how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when ye came out of Egypt, and what ye did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of the Jordan, O Gonsihan, whom he utterly destroyed. 
And as soon as we heard that these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is the God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Now therefore I pray you swear unto me by the Lord that you that I have showed you this kindness, that you will also show kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token. And that you will save alive my father and my mother and my brethren and my sisters and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. And the men answered her, Our life for years if ye utter not this our business, and it shall be given that shall be when the Lord hath given you the land, that he will deal kindly and truly with thee. Then she let them down by a cord through the window for her house. And upon the town wall, and she dwelt upon the and she dwelt upon the wall. And she said unto them, Get you to the mountains, lest the pursuers meet you, and hide yourself there three days, until the pursuers be returned, and afterwards ye may go your way. And the men said unto her, We will be blameless of this thine oath, which thou hast made to us to swear. Behold, when we come into the land, thou shalt bind the line of scarlet thread in the window, which thou didst let us down by. And thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and thy father's household home unto thee. And it shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of the house unto the street, his blood shall be upon his head. And we will be guiltless, and whoever will be with thee in the house, the blood shall be on our head of any hand be upon him. And if thou utter this our business, then we shall be quiet at none oath which thou hast made us to swear. And she said, according unto your word, so be it. And she sent them away, and they departed, and she bound the scarlet line in the window. And we know that God will bless to us the reading of his word. Six times this woman's mentioned in the Bible, six of the times she is termed as a harlot. Now the word harlot is the word we have for prostitute. And the word harlot and the word prostitute in the Greek is the word porno. It's where we get our word pornography from. And can I say at the very outset of this meeting, because we could not deal with this woman in the present day in which we live, without me as a servant of God sounding an oath to men and women, there's any married man watching or looking at or gazing upon pornographic pictures, let them be on the phone, in the paper, or anywhere else. Jesus says, it's the very same thing as committing adultery. And if you were watching pornography last night, wherever you were, as a married man, you were committing adultery, the very same as if you had another woman in the room when your wife was gone to bed. Oh, this is an awful way to start a meeting, my friend. We as the servant of God must face facts. And if you're not married and you're looking at pornography, you're committing fornication. And what does Paul say in 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 9? Well, I tell you what he says. Be not deceived, for neither fornicators or adulterers or drunkards or covetous or thieves shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but now, now you are washed, you are sanctified, and you're justified. And let me tell you, if you're a Christian or supposed to be a Christian and you're washed, and you're justified, and you're sanctified. I doubt it. 
if you're at this, carry on. My dear friend, remember what the word of God says. Such were some of you. That's the old past life and it's gone. And you're washed in the blood and you're a child of God. It's no wonder you can't pray. It's no wonder we don't come to the prayer meeting. It's no wonder you don't want to come to the Lord's table. Let the Lord put the sword into the heart of any man or woman that professes to be saved. Or otherwise, you need to repent and you need to get help and you need to flee to God and flee to the Lord for this is a curse, young and old in society today. Now this woman was saved before these spies came into the house because she testified to them. And I'll show you that in a moment. She was already converted. She was already delivered from her past life. Hebrews 11 says this, she received them with peace. Do you know that word peace is the word for the gospel peace? It's the same word Jesus uses when he says, Peace I leave with you, peace I give unto you. When the angel of God, uh, then the angel came and said, Glory to God in the highest peace. It's the same word. Peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. So she received him in gospel peace. She had already been saved. She had already the peace with God. She was justified through faith and through peace with God. Hallelujah. So don't try to say that she wasn't converted or saved before these men come. Now why is it that James and Joshua and the writers of the Hebrews all call her a harlot? You know, I was hearing one of these modern boys these know all boys with, with all their apparatus and mechanical devices that preach to you on Facebook and YouTube, many of them. And I heard one of them saying, Labasting, Labasting James, and Labasting Joshua, and Labasting Paul, who he said wrote the book of Hebrews. Labasting them for calling her a harlot, and a harlot, and a harlot. And he said, give her a break. Stop it. Let the woman alone. But my friend, it happens to be, if he doesn't know this, it happens to be that these men were moved by the Holy Spirit. These men were moved by the Spirit of God to pen these words and to write these things. A number of reasons, and I wouldn't have time to go into them this morning, but there's a number of reasons that God reminds us of our past. And he needs to remind us of our past at times. And he keeps us humble by reminding us of our past. Our sins are forgiven. They're under the blood. And thank God they're gone. But there's times that he has to remind us of our past because we get too big for our boots. Just because you've got a few pounds and you've got a few gifts of the Spirit maybe, because you've got a bit of a business or a good home and plenty of money in the bank, don't get too big for your boots. We can all get too big and think that we're great fellows. Pride is an awful thing. It's a damnable thing. You know, in, in, in Isaiah 51, we read these words, Hearken, hearken, listen to the word of God. Listen, ye that follow after righteousness and seek the Lord. You know, if you're following after righteousness and you want to seek the Lord... Look onto, here, listen what he says. Look onto the rock that you're hewing out of and the hole of the pit from where you were dug. In other words, don't ever forget and remember where you came from. For mind you, some of us hadn't very much. Some of us hadn't very much. And because God has blessed us, we need to be reminded now and again, many's a day, many's a day the Lord brings me back to the streets of Manchester. Many's a day he brings me back to the shoes leaking water. And I tell you, God can humble you and show you very quickly, very quickly. And he has to do that at times. You know, the Lord Jesus feasted in the house of Simon the leper. He wasn't a leper then, but that name stuck with him. He was Simon the leper. And it didn't do him any harm to call him Simon the leper because he realized the pit from whence he was dug. 
Do you know of the three of the five times we read of Nicodemus? It says Nicodemus who came to Jesus by night. By night. He, 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 he juked to Jesus at night. But the Holy Spirit didn't allow that uh, to, get, to get away with that. Didn't let him get away with that. There's things that we do at night we need to be reminded of. There's things that we juke about and do behind the scenes that God will remind us of. You remember David, long after the Bathsheba and the murder of her husband, he penned Psalm 40. And he says, he brought me up out of the pit. And he brought me up out of the pit and he set my feet upon the rock. <laughs> I tell you, he wasn't forgetting where he came from and what God had done in his life. And it's good to be reminded. And it humbles us and keeps us at the feet of our Lord Jesus Christ in humility. John Newton, that great slave man that he wrote the, some of the lovely hymns and give us some commentaries and scriptures. John Newton had up on the study of a, up on the wall of a study, uh, uh, these words, he says, never forget, always remember that you were a bondman in Egypt. So he reminds the sinners of the past and he reminds the sinners of pardon. I tell you, this is reminding this woman of the mighty pardon and the mighty peace and the mighty power of God saving a woman and delivering a woman and setting her woman free. It's all heaven in her life. But it also reminds us, my friend, something else before I go on. This repetition of a past, past, past sins. This repetition of a past character. In the Bible reminds us that the scriptures are precious. There's no cover-ups. I see, see some commentators say she was just an innkeeper or she had low morals or she was of ill repute or she was of a fallen woman. The Bible says she was a harlot. And she would have been the first to admit it. But now she's washed. Now she's cleansed. Hallelujah. That's the past and it's gone and it's under the blood. Hallelujah to the Lord. Now I want to look at this woman a moment evangelically. For in Joshua chapter 2, we read what she heard. Verses 10 and 11, if you want to go over this when you go home. James, we read what she did. She, she brought the men up and and, and hid them from the soldiers. And then we read in Hebrews what she had. It was faith. So we see what she heard. We see what she did. We see what she had. And we see what she knew. Because in verse 9 of chapter 2, she says, I know. We know. We know. We know that God has done great things. We know that the God of Israel has done mighty things. She knew that, friend, listen, in this demon-infested, dark, godless city, the only woman in it. She says, we know. She says, we have heard. We have heard about the coming out of Egypt. We have heard about the Passover and the crossing of the Dead Sea. This was 40 years ago before she was even born, but she had heard it. The word had come. The word had come into this dark place. The word of God had come, whether men brought it to her, how it came, I don't know, but it came. And she knew. She knew about the manna. She knew about the mighty works of God and the Passover. She had heard it. And remember this, she wasn't only a Canaanite, she was an Amorite. It was worse again. And fear gripped her heart. And fear gripped all the hearts and melted the heart. Chapter 5 says that the Spirit left the whole lot of them when they heard what God had done and what God was going to do and that he had landed at Gilgal. And fear gripped them and they were as weak as water. Is there any wonder they hid behind the walls? You see, friend, it was this hearing, hearing this word and knowing this word that made her repent and she was converted faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God she heard and she knew and she believed she believed in the God of Israel 
and justified by faith, she had that peace. You know, the three justifications of, of faith in the Bible is all in this woman's life. Justified by faith, justified through the blood, you'll see with the scarlet cord, and justified through works. So there's an evangelical touch here. Hallelujah. And thank God this morning. Listen, praise God this morning, believer, that one day in the darkness of sin, and one day in your wicked ways, and your sin, and my sins, maybe worse than her sins, God one day reached us. God one day touched us. God one day saved us. God one day delivered us. Hallelujah. And set us gloriously free. Oh, thank God for the word that came to us. Thank God for however, whoever brought the word of God to us about the God of Israel and about the blood and about the Passover. Thank God for the one who sounded the gospel message. Thank God. I tell you, listen, Ruth can say the same away down in Mo, in Bo, in Bo, away down in that land of Moab. She could say the same. Thank God for the day and hour that we heard the message of the evangel. And we saw our need and we fled to Jesus and we found peace with God. But there's not only an evangelical touch here, there's a doctrinal touch. You see, there's the doctrine of election and predestination and sovereignty. Because out of the hundreds of thousands that knew and heard the word and their hearts melted from the king down, they trembled and they shook when they heard that, that the children of Israel were coming in to destroy the land. They all trembled. They all shook. You, you get that. But only one out of them all was converted. It says, all the inhabitants of the land heard and knew and fainted and the heart melted when they heard that Israel was coming and they fled behind the walls. And the Bible says that they perished, that she perished not with them that believed not. They wouldn't believe the word. Oh, sinner out there this morning, you've seen, you've heard the gospel time and time again, day after day, week after week. This woman never heard it, maybe only once. Oh, sinner out there this morning, you that know the gospel truth. You know the Protestants. The Protestants in Northern Ireland have heard more gospel truth that would save all of China and India put together. And some of you listening to me this morning marched on the 12th of July with a collarette with a Bible and Jacob's ladder on it and you're marching to hell. Marching to hell. And you know the truth inside out. You handle it. You see it. You know very well that Jesus Christ died and rose again. You've heard it on the radio. You've seen the track on the tree. You've heard the, the, the DVD. You've seen others. You know others. You know it inside out. Well, let me tell you this. You'll perish. You'll perish. You have a form, you have a form of godliness. Oh, I tell you, this woman had no form of godliness. Knew some of you dig in your heels and you say, I'm not believing. I am not coming to the Lord. I will not have this man to rule over me. I'm going on to live my life of sin. Well, go on. And let me tell you, the walls are going to come down someday. Let me tell you, your house is going to collapse someday. Let me tell you, the sword's going to go into you someday and it'll be too late. Oh, it'll be far too late. He that being often reproved, Hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed and not without remedy. Often reproved, often corrected, often reasoned with. Come on now. Come on now. I'm saying to you sinners sitting in this car park this morning, you're not saved. I'm saying to you across the broad acres of this earth this morning, listen to this message, you're not saved. The harvest is passing. The summer is ending and you're still not saved. You'll perish. And they've been saved in far-flung corners of the earth. The Muslims have been saved. The Catholics have been saved. The Hindus have been saved. When they hear the gospel once like this woman, when they hear the good news, they flee from their sin and they run to Jesus. But you bog in your heels. I tell you, 
Paul preached to Felix on temperance, righteousness, and judgment to come. And it says that Felix trembled. And he was an old Roman emperor, an old godless, wicked man. He, he, he was an evil man. And she, Priscilla, the woman that was with her, she never trembled. She was a Jewess. She never trembled. It never took a flinch out of her. Some of you Protestants have heard the gospel. And you're still not saved this morning. These people shook and these people trembled, but they never repented. You know the Lord Jesus says about Capernaum? He says, Thou Capernaum are exalted unto heaven. Capernaum where our Lord Jesus made his earthly home. Capernaum was the place he'd done more miracles and more things than anywhere else in the three years and a half of earthly ministry. He says, Capernaum, you're going to be brought down to hell. These are the words of the Lord Jesus. Would he be saying it about Dungannon? Would he be saying it about Armagh? Would he be saying it about Ulster this morning? You'll be brought down to hell, for if the works that were done in you would have been done in Sodom, they'd have remained to this day. We would have never, I would have never burnt up Sodom. We would have never had to burn up Sodom if the works that were done in Capernaum would have been done in Sodom. It'll be more tolerable for Sodom Sodom and in the day of judgment than it will be for you. Don't, my friend, don't we think that we can trample on truth and tinker with God's truth and get away with it. And get away with it. Oh, I say to you from a burdened heart this morning, death is coming, judgment is coming, hell is coming, could come some of you before night. Flee! Flee to Jesus! Flee to the cross! Flee to the Lord! And ask for repentance and backslider, come back! Very well, you know you're backslidden. You've no desire, you've no longing, you've no prayer. Come back to Jesus. Come, he has his arms outstretched to you. Today he wants you to come and to seek him while he may be found and call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him come unto our Lord, return unto our God. And he will and shall abundantly, hallelujah, abundantly pardon. Abundantly pardon. Many Pharisaical. Now listen to what I'm going to say. Many Pharisaical, self-righteous men and women would look down and criticize Rahab. They would have criticized her for her harlotry. Oh, we would never, oh no. We would never do anything like that. And they would criticize her for her veracity because she told lies. And I'm not saying it's right to tell lies. As a Christian, it is not. But you told lies, you told the soldiers, and says, away out over the hills there, they're gone. You'll get them if you pursue after them. And they were up in the loft. As you got, the soldiers could have heard them breathing. But you must remember this, my friend. You must remember that this woman was a pagan. She was an Amorite. She was a Canaanite. She was a Gentile. She was a harlot. She had no truth. She hadn't one bit of light. She hadn't the commandments. She hadn't the Bible. She hadn't a Sunday school. She hadn't a meeting, a teacher, or a counselor. She hadn't a track, or a DVD, or a CD, or a WhatsApp, or a phone. Do you know this? The early church started out with the Bible. And for thousands of years, they only had the Bible. And thousands were saved through the Word of God. And then they got a hymn book. And then they got a hymn book. And then they moved on from the hymn book to the chorus book. And then they got a choir. And then they got a guitar. And then they got a group. And then they got a drum. And then they got a band. And then they got a phone and they took the Bible away. 
They put an overhead up and took the chorus book away. They turned the upper room into a supper room. And you can say what you like about what I'm after saying this morning. But let me tell you, somewhere along the road, the Holy Spirit left. Somewhere along the line, the Holy Spirit fled. And he's gone. And we get all the banging and all the drumming and all the crowds and all the numbers and all the preaching that we like under the sun. But he's gone. He's gone. I heard a story about five boys. They said we're going to have a game of football and they walked up along laying the five of them into the field. And when they got up into the field, one boy looked at the other, have you the ball? No, he says, I have the ball. Looked at, have you the ball? No, I have the ball. Went around the hole, no, I have the ball. They forgot the ball. No one of them said, come on ahead, so we'll play anyway. How can you play football without a football? We're playing church. We're playing games. You see, the generation of Christians now don't know when the Holy Spirit's there because they've never experienced the Holy Ghost in the meeting. And they don't know that he's gone. They think because they sing and because we shout and because we have numbers and because we break bread and because we preach the gospel and all those things and because we put on hats and put on skirts that the Holy Ghost is there but he's gone. And we're not going to get him back. We're not going to sing him back. We're not going to hug him back. We're not going to preach him back. We're not going to drum him back. The only way we're going to get him back is repentance. When we get broken enough and desperate enough and clean enough when we see that he's gone and he has departed from us and we're carrying on without the ball. You can say one thing about this woman and I will defend her every time I read about her. For I have got an insight into a powerful, brave woman. I tell you something this. She was a loyal woman. She was loyal to God and to his servants and to the people of God rather than to a wicked, evil regime of child slaying and murder and immorality that went on amongst the Canaanites and wizardry and deception that went on among, she took her stand against it. And she came out on the side of God. She was prepared to lie and prepared to die for truth. And she had none. Only a few words. Where does that leave us? Do you know that she would have been executed and the two spies, the three of them, would have been tortured to death and executed if they would have been found? But she took her stand. She says, I'm coming out on the side of God. Listen, Christian, will you come out on the side of God? You've halted long enough between two opinions. It's time to come out on God's side. It's time to stand for the things of God. It's time to rebuke the devil and the powers of hell. That old lifestyle and those old things that you wrap, forsake them and flee from them and run. Go down to the, at the feet of Jesus. Is any wonder she was up? She's in amongst Noah and Abraham and Moses and Gideon. Is it any wonder she's named amongst the women who were tortured, who would not accept deliverance? Who were stoned and sawn asunder, but by faith they stood for God. What a testimony! You think it's hard this morning standing in your church, in, in your home? Maybe you're the only believer and God bless you. You think it's hard taking a stand in your workplace? In the school, in the college, in the university? Do you think it's hard? It is hard. Because some don't bother to take that stand. But not this woman. She stood against the nation. She stood against a wicked king. 
She stood against the evil people. She stood against the Amorites, the Canaanites, every one of them. She says, I'm coming out on the side of God. Oh, may some woman, some man rise up this morning and say, we're on the Lord's side from this morning. What a woman she was. What a deliverance. She not only see the evangelical here, we see the evangelist here. She struck a deal with these two men, you know. Verse 12, she says, when you come back in to judge and destroy the city, please, listen, we come down to a close this morning. She went to these two spies, she says, whenever you come back, she believed that that the city was going to be destroyed. She says, whenever you come back, please, she says, please spare and save my mother and my father and my brother and my sisters. I, she mustn't have been married. She says, spare my mother, my father, my brothers, and my sister. Oh, please, deliver them. Don't destroy them when you come back. I tell you, she's an evangelist. She's an evangelist. No, those of you who are unsaved listening to me this morning, thank God for those in your family who want to get you in. Thank God for those in your family who pray for you. You know, in the months of April and May, I did eight messages on Country Star, went out twice a week. And I got a text one day from a man down in Coleraine. Forty years from I worked with him. He says, I was listening to you. He says, I was listening to you. And you used to talk to me about the things of God. And I was listening to you, he says, and I, I believe he says that you're right in what you're saying and doing. So I exchanged texts with him. And then I put up the heat a wee bit and he reneged. Oh, he says, no, I'm going to stay the way I am. But he said this to me. He says, I have a wife. And every morning I wake and to hear her praying. And every morning I wake and to hear her telling me the word of God and quoting texts of scripture to me. I says, listen son, thank God for your wife. Now we're nearly through. Not only evangelical, doctrinal, practical. She had a work to do. She had to hide these men up in the, up in the loft. She had to go and gather in her family. And there's men in this assembly will be out tomorrow knocking doors and they'll be going round and they'll be trying to gather people in and they're doing the work of the evangel, the greatest work that can be done. And I say to you, keep at it for you'll never know when you knock a door a heart raves behind it. You'll never know, son. And some of these young men, Stephen and them were down in Fermanagh, I'm told, and they were preaching in Lisbelaw and preaching in Maguire's Bridge and preaching in Brookborough and preaching the word of God in the streets. Keep at it, men, for you'll never know the day that you'll hit a rib. Rahab went out and she had to get at work. My friend, it's not just a matter of being saved. It's not a matter of sticking the, car, the scarlet cord, the red cord, and I'll close with that out of the window. There's more to it than that. Yeah, I hear people saying, oh, 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 but I dress whatever way I like. I put on whatever I like. I go wherever I like. God looks on the heart. I, but the world doesn't look on the heart. That sinner out there looks at you. And they say, would I want to be like that? Is that what New Testament Christianity is? Is that what it says to be saved? You can put all the cords out you like and we can talk all about the blood and the cross that we like, but we don't apply it in our lives. She went out to her mother, 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 come in, father, come in. Sister, brother, I don't know many, the whole family, there was a whole crowd, the house was packed. It was only a wee house on the wall. It was packed when they came. There's a practical application to it too, as well as evangelical. 
as well as doctrinal. And lastly, there's a prophetical. See, if I took time to turn you over to chapter 6, I'll not bother because you're, you know it well. After the walls had fallen, after they went round it 13 times and blew the trumpet and shouted, after every house had fallen but hers, every one of them fell, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and thousands. It was, a, it was three miles circumference. Every house fell but hers. Joshua said to the two boys that were up, the two spies, Hey boys, hey boys, go in. And here's what he said, go into the rape, go into the harlot's house. So it must have been still standing for them to go into it. Go into the harlot's house and deliver alive all that's in it. Everyone that's in it. Deliver them and bring them down to the borders of Israel. And the Israelites will take them in. I tell you, wasn't she glad that she had went out? Wasn't she glad? Ah, are you praying for your mother, son? Are you praying for your sisters? Are you praying for your brother? Because let me tell you, judgment is coming. It's coming and it's coming fast and sharp. And if they're not in, they'll perish. And your responsibility is the Lord saved you out of that home. He saved you out of that family. He saved you out of that old dead church that you're in to go out and to win the lost. And to win your family and to start at home and reach them and pray for them and cry to God for them night and day until they're in, unless they perish. Don't you ever criticize Rahab. Don't you ever look back at her past life. For some of us were far a thousand times worse. But one day the Lord saved her and transformed her and changed her and washed her. And let me tell you this, and she proved it. This is the proof. This is the, it's not proof this morning, my father, that we, my friend, that we go into the table. Thank God and come in. You're very welcome. That's no proof of how you'll conduct your business tomorrow. If I were to go around some of those people that you're, that, that, that you're doing business with and ask them, what do you think of this man? What do you think of the way he treated you? What do you think of when things were getting tight and, did, 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 did he spare you a wee bit in the COVID-19 there? Did he, did, and you weren't able to do things and you hadn't the money to do them? Did he, did, did, did he, was he gracious to you or was he greedy? And until you get right, don't be coming around the Lord's table. My friend, listen, it's bigger than all this. How does the world see us? How do we react? I believe and I say it again from the depth of my heart and I know that these messages are going far and wide, seven and eight hundred. Listen, that doesn't cost me one thought if it's two, listen. But let me say this to you. I believe that there'll be sons and daughters in Northern Ireland belonging to Christian mothers and Christian fathers and they'll weep and they'll wail throughout the countless ages of eternity in hell because they never told them, they never witnessed to them, they never lived before them, they never went to a prayer meeting for them. And I tell you, these messages didn't come easy to me and my family know that. This woman was practical. And then there's this mighty prophetical touch. Go in, Joshua said. Go to the, go to the harlot's house. And save alive all that's in it. Deliver them. Before we toss the house. Now what did you hear in closing? Well, I'll tell you what you heard. She heard the sound of the trumpets. Because they blew trumpets day after day after day after day. And they marched round it seven times on the last day and blew the trumpets of the ram's horn. Well, what else did she hear? She heard the shout. They shouted. Blow the trumpets and shout. 
and the walls will fall down. Listen, some of these days you're going to hear the sound of the trumpet and you're going to hear the shout. The Lord shall descend from heaven with a shout and the dead in Christ shall lie forth. And then, those that are alive, did you notice that? Go and bring out those that are alive. Bring them out to lie, the living one. Bring the mother, the father. Bring them all out to lie. Bring them out. My friend, listen. Those of us which are alive shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. It's not signs I'm looking for, it's sounds. The trumpet's going to blast some of these days and we're going to be taken out. Glory to God. And judgment is going to come and they burned the place. They burnt it. And the fire will fall. I tell you, don't you tinker about any longer with your soul. And don't be tinkering about with the souls of your sons and your daughters and your children. Start living before them and start praying for them. And start trying to cry and to get them in, get them in, get them in under the roof. Before the judgment come. What a woman this was. What a mighty woman. How did they know? Well, they said, you just swing that scarlet cord. That scarlet cord out to the window. When the men went and they looked, they saw the cord. It was a red cord. Actually, it was a rope. Do you know what the Hebrew word for rope is? Hope. Hallelujah. Let the red rope out. Let the rope of hope out. Ah, my friend, there's hope. hope. This is just a replication of the Passover. When I see the blood. When I see the blood over your house. And your family's in safe. I will pass over and deliver you alive out. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. My heart's full this morning. What a sad too. There's the blood over your home. There's the blood over your children. We have three prayer meetings. Come and see me and I'll tell you when they are. I am very, very disappointed that many of God's people are not interested in praying in the prayer meeting, making excuses. But I can tell you, my friend, we have got to lay hold of God for Jesus is coming and he's coming soon. He's coming soon. Jesus said, spare them alive. Spare them alive. Take them out. Take them out. I'm going to come for them and take them out. I'm going to take them home. Hallelujah. Why? Because of the blood. The scarlet cord, the rope of hope hung from the window. Hallelujah. Is it hanging from your home this morning? May God help us to remember this woman and to feast upon her and to think about her. What a mighty testimony she has for this day and hour in which we live. Hallelujah. Glory to God. My father, listen, my heart's full when I met it. I never preached on rehab before in all my 40 years. Maybe once a bit of a message. But you know, when I began to study her and saw her faith and saw her works, my friend, and saw what she did and how she stood, fearless, mighty woman she was. And then lands up in the Hall of Fame, from the House of Shame to the Hall of Fame. And that's where we're all coming from, from the House of Shame, for all sinners saved by grace. God bless you. God help you. And may God minister to you as you listen again to these messages that the Lord burnt into my heart day after day for all these nine or eight messages that we preached. May God bless you, and may the Spirit of God move upon you. May you not take this word lightly, and may you take your stand like Rahab took, and say, I am on the Lord's side. Let us pray. Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for this Old Testament Scripture. We thank you and praise you for this Old Testament truth. We praise you, Lord, for a dark, doomed, damned, sinful woman who heard the good news, Lord, where you'd never expect her to hear it. And suddenly, Lord, she was changed and transformed and could testify to the fact and say, I know, 
I know there's a God in Israel. I know that God is mighty and he's powerful. And I want my family in and I want to be saved when he come. Oh God, I pray, Lord, that thou wilt move upon the dead church, that thou wilt move upon dead Christians, that thou wilt awaken us, Lord, our God, to prayer and intercession and seeking God in these dark days. Oh God, that we'll not go without our family, that we'll not go without our sons, that we'll not go without our daughters, that we'll not go without our children. Oh God, help us. Lord, I pray. I pray, blessed Holy Spirit, will you move upon this message this morning? Will you burn it deep into the hearts of men and women, wherever they might be listening today? Lord, speak to us about our, what we're watching. Speak to us about what we're doing. Speak to us about our lack of faith. Whatever, Lord, the Holy Ghost says, say it. Pierce it into our heart, Lord. Oh God, we praise you. Jesus didn't die to birth a dead church, but to birth a living church. He didn't rise to birth a dead church, but a living church. We pray, Lord, that life and power will be breathed into us in these dark days and that thou wilt once more revive us again. We thank you. I praise you personally this morning for helping me and strengthening me and and giving me these messages and help to preach them. And I praise you, Lord. And I roll it all and leave it all with thee, asking you a blessing. Remember those that have come in round the table this morning. We're not doing it to be seen. We're not doing it, oh God, our Father, out of tradition. We're doing it just simply because we love you. And we want to remember you and we want to thank you for the scarlet cord that was out of our window and the blood of rope of hope that we have this morning. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. We ask these things in our Saviour's name. And for a second, Lord, we give you thanks for, for Glenn, and we give you thanks for Glenn, and we give you thanks, Lord, for the people who've done the car park, and we thank you that even in the next number of weeks, Lord, we thank you for their faithfulness, and we just praise you this morning that we're all workers together in this. Lord, I couldn't do it on my own, but we're all workers together, and we thank you for every man. We pray, Lord, tonight for the meeting starting up in the Independent Methodist. We pray that you'll bless that young man as he preaches the word, Lord, and draw people in and save souls, we pray and we will rejoice, Lord, in what you're going to do. Remember the Moy tonight at six o'clock, Lord, when the word of God goes out there. Bless the word wherever it goes up and down and across our land, for we ask it in the Saviour's name and for his sake. Amen.